Walking off the train at the Central Street L station, you would have no idea there was a college football game just down the road. It's the middle of September, prime college football season, and Northwestern's playing its third game, second in Rhinefield. Wildcats opponents in FCS school, Southern Illinois Salukis, and out of 150 Big Ten FCS games, the Big Ten's only lost eight. So it should be an easy win, even for a Northwestern team that went 3-9 in 2021. The scene at Ryanfield elicits pity more than anything else. The game isn't exactly a big occasion. Some fans are tailgating in the pothole littered in too small parking lot, but it's usually just a lot of North Shore families looking to say, wow, isn't this lovely, and then leave at halftime. That's just the committed fan base Northwestern's built over the years. Kids are out playing cornhole, but it's difficult when the board has as many cracks as the asphalt underneath their feet. Plastic pellets rustle inside the bag as it hits the ground after an airmail. But no one knows how to keep score except for frat boys. None of them are here. So the kids just keep playing with their own count. Even though Rhinefield is empty for around 360 days of the year, it seems as worn down as the 12th century plans the Gothic architecture was based on. The cracks in the concrete aren't from how crowded the five home games get. As cool as the design could be, something about it is off. It could be the stadium's defining monotone beige making the place look like dried out mud. It could be a lack of character. The smell of barbecue is absent, and the arguments over gas or charcoal grills are gone too. To be fair, it's a non-conference game against an FCS school. It's not like Northwestern was dead last in attendance in the Big Ten in 2021 and hasn't sold out a home game since 2019 against Ohio State, where there were more Ohio State fans than Northwestern ones. Gates open around 90 minutes before kickoff. Fans meander through one of the most cramped concourses in college football. It's like a high school stadium, not the facility of a D1 program. They just weren't prepared, uh, and maybe it's just you know that's just how it was. They didn't they didn't come prepared because they didn't have uh, the number of fans. I guess I, I don't I don't know what to pin it on. Beams are exposed above the heads of people trying to find something to drink to take their minds off the game, which the Wildcats are losing midway through the third quarter. Northwestern doesn't sell alcohol at Ryan Field, so they'll wander forever. After giving up and heading back to the bleachers, one kind of depression is replaced by another. It's still bench seating. Everyone stands at other college football games with the same type of seating, so they don't notice the uncomfortable bleachers. No one is standing for this Northwestern game, especially not after Southern Illinois takes a 14-point lead with five minutes left. To be honest, practically no one's seated either so it won't be a nightmare getting out of the parking lot. By the time there are zeros on the scoreboard, the Wildcats head to the locker room with a 31-24 loss to the Salukis. Now it's nine losses for the Big Ten against the FCS, and this was the third one by Northwestern. At least no one was there. If a tree falls and no one sees it, does it still make a sound? That game was a far cry from the highs in the mid to late 90s reaching the Rose Bowl, obtaining success in the complex college football landscape, and renovating Ryan Field. Years of conflict between Evanston and Northwestern appeared to have ended in Northwestern's favor. 
But since then, the team in the stadium have fallen apart. Which is how we arrived at ABC7 recording this. Northwestern University releasing design renderings for a new Ryan Field. The proposed design includes capacity for 35,000 people. That is actually 12,000 less than the current field. But the new Ryan Field Stadium campus will be built on the current stadium footprint and be funded entirely by private dollars. It all seemed so simple. Northwestern University planned to update its broken down stadium to compete with the Blue Bloods and catapult itself into the college football conversation. The sport is massive, and with the economic impact of NIL deals looming for schools across the country, there seemed no better time for Northwestern to invest in a state-of-the-art stadium that would make them boatloads of money. They had the means after Patrick and Shirley Ryan made the largest donation in Northwestern's history, and one of the biggest to any university ever. Their $480 million gift would be enough to finance the stadium privately, meaning construction wouldn't use taxpayers' money. There should have been no controversy. At least, that's what I thought when I first took on this story. I'd heard some buzz about zoning laws and alcohol issues, so I went to a listening event held by Northwestern in a building just north of Ryan Field to hear people's arguments and do some research for a potential feature story on it for the student newspaper at my high school, the Evanstonian. There was almost no one there. There was a couple of reps from Northwestern, me, my dad, and this one season ticket holder that worked on SoFi Stadium and was trying to get a contract on Ryan Field, too. I almost dropped the piece, figuring a vocal minority was blowing the conflict out of proportion. But instead, I dug a little deeper and uncovered a fractured town-gown relationship, a little bit of lying, and a lot of angry people. Over this past year of research and reporting, there's been a hazing scandal accusations of stolen property, and more than 700 pages worth of public comments at council meetings. I'm Mac Jones, and this is the first episode of The Field of Broken Dreams. They're being hypocritical. Violent, drunken altercations, people staggering into their car. A 90s renovation ought to be pretty workable. Ryan Fields is terrible. Sort of like white privilege. I, I truly don't believe Northwestern. Northwestern was making a lot of promises. Reflecting on the passion that grew about this great university and being a part of it. So everything that's really been good in our lives started at Northwestern. It's about the development of the finest features of our body and soul. It's about lifting us up as a group.
We're proud to have our name on it. This has been a journey. We are not at the destination. That was a clip of the Ryans, the donors making the proposed $800 million stadium possible in an announcement video from September 2021. Patrick Ryan, the namesake for Ryan Field and many other things around Northwestern's campus, is a founding member and former CEO of the Aon Insurance Company. This is Teddy Greenstein, who wrote a profile for the Chicago Tribune on Ryan in 2017, while Northwestern renovated the Wildcats basketball stadium, Welsh Ryan Arena. I mean, I give a hundred bucks to to Northwestern. Actually, maybe I give like seventy five bucks to Northwestern every year. So that's not a world I know about in terms of what you give to get your name put on something. Mm -hmm. And you know, if the school asked you to, I don't know anything about that. But um, they've just been like unbelievably generous. When you're that generous, you can call the shots. The vision for the new Ryan Field, with a gigantic sum contributed by the Ryan family. Christian rebuild Rhinefield by Northwestern and contain assurances on improved aspects of the stadium. Outside of basic structural improvements, there will be a state-of-the-art canopy with the aim of keeping noise and light inside the stadium. This is Amy Blackburn, an associate director of the athletics department at Northwestern, speaking about the plans at the listening event I mentioned earlier. So that's one of the biggest concerns for the community and, and is right now how it's currently built is it is loud. It, it's bright. You know, that's been a problem for us. It also is going to protect people from weather. So it's going to stretch about 90% of the seats of a coverage from inclement weather, which is great. Um, so it's going, going to help us control light, sound, as well as just as an add-on, protect people from bad weather, which is really nice when come to a game. There will also be a new student section based on other sports. I hope they kind of do a better job making a more appropriately sized student section. You don't want to have like a student section that's like 15 rows tall on like the sideline. So like it would be cool to have it in the end zone. Um, I mean, based, based on the mock-up and not an official design, like that's where it would go. That was Jared Tucker, a former Evanstonian staff member. Tucker's in a uniquely qualified position to talk about anything Northwestern. For the past few years, he's been running an Instagram page dedicated to Northwestern sports. He's obsessed. But I just not run Northwestern stuff every day. But despite the bias, Tucker's hype for the new features in the stadium isn't entirely misplaced. There'll be chairbacks for every fan, clear sightlines to the field, and an upgraded concourse with tweaked concessions, potentially featuring local restaurants. Games already offer an economic boon for many businesses in the downtown Evanston area, and the impact of that can be increased with an outlet inside the stadium. Here's Eddie Lakin, owner of Evanston Staple, Edzo's. I would be interested to see what if they're doing concessions, like if maybe we could do a satellite uh, location of Edzo's in the stadium. Maybe I don't know if they're, maybe they would have some sort of uh, local representation. It seems like it would be kind of fitting and in keeping with the kind of local and independent uh Five that restaurant that uh, Evanston's been cultivating. We could have a mustard slash stand right there. We could maybe have I, they could do hot dogs and burgers, and we could do a Buffalo Joe's stand. Yeah. Maybe a Heckey's barbecue. Get all the favorite Evanston places. One thing that cannot be disputed is the impact of Northwestern events on local businesses, 
Business owners like Lakin are happy to vouch for that. This is Daniel Kelch, owner of Corn Ride Hospitality, which includes four restaurants, Taco Diablo, Five and Dime, Blue Horse Tavern, and Lou's. The restaurants are all under one roof two miles south of Ryanfield. Well, oftentimes, um, you know, because if you get a lot of customers that are coming in and they're Northwestern associated students or whatever, they're oftentimes wearing color, right? Got Northwestern t-shirts and sweatshirts and all that. The benefit that that university brings here to my 100 employees is just massive. However, the total economic impact of Northwestern is hard to grasp because the school was here before the town. Evanston would likely not exist, at least not close to its current state, if Northwestern didn't exist, making the school's contributions to the city unknown. A link between the school and the city was formed due to the close relationship. But that bond has shown cracks in recent years through a lack of faith between the two parties. Here's Sixth Ward Alderman Tom Sufferden. If you look at this, the way that they've tried to frame this discussion, like, they're not, they're spending their money on public relations, paid, paid canvassing, like, media events. They're not bringing in, like, independent economists to verify any of the numbers mm-hmm. that are going out there. They're expecting us to pay to do that. Uh, and they're not being entirely forthcoming with some of their numbers that they're using. So, I, you know, if they, wa- if they want us to believe them, they could do a better job of being credible. Sufferden was referencing the economic impact report that Northwestern released with their announcement of the new stadium renderings. The report, conducted by consulting firm Trip Mbach, seemed to many as ambitious as the plans. The report claimed that Ryanfield would generate $1.3 billion in economic impact in Cook and Lake Counties, that the total economic impact of visitors at Ryanfield on the city of Evanston will grow from $50.4 million in 2021 to $65 million annually by 2031, and that the addition of special events held at Ryanfield will contribute another $35 million in new annual economic impact to the city of Evanston. That's a lot of money. But Sufferden wasn't the only older person to question the report's validity. Seventh Ward older person Eleanor Ravel which word includes Ryanfield, also had concerns. We, the city, we need to do our own independent economic analysis because I, I truly don't believe the economic impact study that was done for Northwestern. It's, I think, the numbers. And so I think, so it projects just millions and billions of dollars of wonderful new things for the city, and I, I just don't believe those numbers. Ravel and others in the city are so skeptical in Northwestern report that the city is working on its own economic research into the stadium. And they may have been justified in critiquing Northwestern's reports. For context, if the Evanstonian wants to release the results of a survey of the ETHS population, there need to be at least 400 responses out of around 4,000 students for us to feel good about the results. Northwestern put out a report saying people in Evanston favored the stadium by a 2 to 1 ratio. They only got 500 responses for the survey. In a city of nearly 80,000. In a ward of nearly 9,000. Many are concerned that the lack of care shown for that report could apply to the economic one, too. There's also the question of a magic multiplier being used. In any economic study such as this, the amount of money generated is multiplied by a value because, as the theory goes, the person that the money immediately goes to will spend it in the surrounding area. So every dollar generated is multiplied by another number to arrive at the conclusion. 
Northwestern doesn't need to tell anyone anything about what this number was set at. Could have been one, or it could have been a million. It's also ironic that the study heavily references tax revenue generated by the stadium for the city, even though Northwestern doesn't pay property taxes. Northwestern does pay a form of a payment in lieu of taxes, though, which 8th Ward Alderman Devon Reed explains. A lot of folks uh, say that Northwestern isn't paying its fair share in property taxes, and that's one of the you know frustrations that folks have with this new field. Um, is that they feel like these again folks aren't already aren't contributing enough to the fabric of our community through 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 financial means, and we're gonna give them um, you know this new stadium, which is going to allow them to make even more money uh, from their sports program. So when you when you look at it. Um, cities in, uh, like, uh, you know, Boston, Massachusetts, for example, uh, Massachusetts has really strong, uh, what's called a payment in lieu of taxes or a pilot, uh, law. And in the, in their state, uh, the, you know, the, the institutions such as, uh, you know, Harvard or whatever, um, they pay 25% of what they would pay in property taxes, um, annually to the municipality with the, the option to um, cut that in in a in half um, that 25 percent in half based on good neighbor agreements so in Evanston um, that means that Northwestern you know there's a study now this is starting to get older and older and so this number would creep up a bit but I'm just going to say an even $40 million uh, annually is what Northwestern would pay in property taxes. And that's what uh, a staff study from, um, you know, five, maybe at this point going on 10 years ago said. So if Northwestern paid $40 million annually, um, well, let's say Northwestern is a good neighbor and you cut half of that off. Uh, well, let's just start with the $40 million. Well, $40 million. Um a fourth of that $40 million, which is right, the Massachusetts law, which is 25%, you pay 25%, so that's $10 million that you pay. They would pay if they paid property taxes annually. Then if you remember, the city of Evanston only gets about uh, 20% of anybody's property tax bill. That means the Northwestern would pay $2 million to the city of Evanston. And then you calculate in there that, that maybe they're a good neighbor, and so they get half of that chopped off, and they'd be paying a million dollars a year. Northwestern pays about a million dollars a year to the good neighbor fund. And so, you know, for folks saying that Northwestern isn't paying their fair share in property taxes, sure, but they just about are by giving the million dollars a year in the good neighbor fund. Now, that number should creep up again, right, that $40 million is based on, you know, some uh, aging numbers, and so it should creep up. and. You know, maybe they're not the greatest neighbor in the world, and so they should pay the full two million. But they're 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 paying nearly their fair share to the city of Evanston. The economic impact study conducted by Northwestern also could include the economic impact of a controversial decision: the sale of alcohol. No one knows whether or not they'll be allowed to sell liquor at the stadium, especially when considering the history of Evanston prohibition. And it was only when Ms., uh, when Francis Willard uh, kind of was the dean of women's students at Northwestern and then changed her own personal interest to temperance when Evanston as being the home of prohibition really kind of took off. That was the owner of the Grand Glass Distillery Few Spirits, Paul Letko, who's dealt with the complications created by Evanston's history with alcohol and creating his business. 
Evanston was the birthplace of prohibition and continued it well after the nationwide movement ended in 1933. Evanston kept its alcohol-free status until the city council approved the sale of liquor by an 11 to 8 margin, with one abstention, in 1972. Many opinions people in power formed when Evanston was a dry city still show up in opinions today. But for second word, all the person Chrissy Harris, it's a personal choice. If I had to choose, Evanston might still be um, a dry city, right? Drinking isn't that big of a deal to me. Northwestern's alcohol policy was similar to the city's. Its charter initially banned alcohol on campus. And now, you know, so they've changed their charter before, and now they want to actually sell alcohol at their football game. For them to say that, oh, this goes back to our charter, and, you know, we should be able to do whatever we want, they're being hypocritical. That was Evanston resident Fiona McCarthy. Northwestern continued temperance on its campus for three years after Evanston transitioned from a dry city to a wet one, and then changed its charter to allow liquor on college grounds. Alcohol, sold at the stadium, can heavily impact its economics through tax revenue. And even if alcohol is not allowed to be sold at Ryanfield, it'll always be present in some way. This is a big ten university. You're lucky it's not Ohio State or Wisconsin, where it's like the students actually have like real parties every day. It could be so much worse, but all people just want to do is complain about everything. It's like, yes, also, with, with the drunk people... Like, there are hundreds, like, okay, compared to other schools, tailgating sucks. There are still hundreds of tailgaters at every game. Do you think those people are not drinking alcohol? Like, seriously? Like, those people are all still drinking alcohol. They're also walking around, and most of them go into the game, and then they just leave. Tucker's had plenty of experience being around Northwestern games and tailgating, as he walks to the same every time he goes. Alcohol is a big thing at all major sporting events, and Northwestern ones aren't an exception. I feel like um, Evanston, you know, uh, is famous for having tried uh, teetotaling. Whatever it's supposed to do, it, it didn't work. That is an argument on the losing side of history. Um, and I think that there's ample evidence that people can enjoy uh, sporting events or concerts uh, and consume alcohol responsibly, and it, it doesn't necessarily change the... Um, tenor of a city. That was Evanston resident and author Scott Kenimore, who looks forward to the new stadium. 99% of America is dark and quiet and boring. I've moved, moved around a lot in my life, and I've lived a lot of places that aren't. Evanston or Chicago area, and if you want dark, boring quietness with no noise, there's so much of it out there. But there are just a few places uh, in all of the United States where there is Awesome, fun, cool stuff, things to do, convivial people that is actually really pretty rare. All of these benefits can come with a downside. People have had negative experiences with alcohol around the stadium, even as it is currently. This is Lori McFarlane, who lives close to the stadium in the 7th Ward. So there's a lot of activity that goes on around there. Our neighborhood, um, for a long time, has been an area that people often walk through on their way to other places. And there's a lot of trash and a lot of drunken behavior and uh, just a lot of bad behavior by people who have had too much alcohol, even without them selling alcohol. 
In isolation, the frequency of these problems seems insignificant. There's been no prior backlash regarding alcohol issues around Ryan Field. If an unwanted incident comes up, it's resolved locally. But there is concern among the residents of Evanston surrounding how as many as 12 concerts in Ryan Field and Welsh Ryan Arena will impact things. Eight football games are fine for many people living around the area, but potentially 20 events, some think, are too many. Those events, coupled with liquor consumption, could increase the probability of unsavory behavior by visitors to the stadium. Um, so my first name is Emily, last name is Levin, and then my pronouns are she, her. My biggest objection is the concerts. If they weren't planning to host these concerts, I literally wouldn't care. Um, the thing is, I they compare it to Ravinia a lot. I actually moved here from the Ravinia neighborhood because once they started having all these huge performers and they started having indoor dining, which is what Northwestern also wants to do, the local restaurants, all these businesses closed down. You know, if they want to renovate the stadium, that's great. I do kind of wish they would just put in more parking. The concerts, really, I just think that's wrong. I think it's going to put people out of business and bring a crowd of people who are going to litter and be really loud. The concerts themselves are going to be much louder than a football game. There's also a concern about how much the economic impact report included these concerts in their estimate. More events means more money, but for-profit events haven't been approved yet either. And if their numbers are wrong, they're the ones who uh, like deal with the deficit, not us. I mean, they're asking us to just count on their calculations, and I don't, I just, if they're wrong, then what? The stadium's built, the zoning changes have been made, the alcohol sales have been allowed, and we're just like, oh, well, we probably should have really looked at that closely. And meanwhile, like, you, you know, you or your parents' property taxes have gone up, uh, like, uh, or, you know, 10 years from now when you're looking at where to live, really love to get back to Evanston, but I can't afford that. That was Sufferton again, explaining why the council needs to take its time with its decision. Another part of the reason the concerts haven't been approved has been Northwestern's status as a nonprofit university. Concerts are inherently for-profit events, so many people in Evanston view the situation as Northwestern taking advantage of its not-for-profit standing. McFarland specifically is very frustrated by this. I don't think it's necessarily that the city gives them the leeway. I think the city always wants to have a harmonious relationship, which I also support. I, I think it's more that Northwestern, way back in the beginning, was its charter, was able to negotiate certain advantages for itself, that those advantages persisted. It's sort of like white privilege. It's like you start out with most of the marbles, and if you're smart, you can keep most of the marbles all the way through. And um, that, I feel, is kind of what has happened. So I feel like the city, um, again, they'd rather work with Northwestern, but, but they do sometimes fight. It seems as though Welsh Ryan Arena has been something of a guinea pig for things Northwestern's planning for the football stadium. One example of this was liquor sales, and another was for-profit events. In 2019, the city council voted to change the city code and allow for-profit events to be held at the arena. The pilot program was supposed to last from 2020 through 2021. 
Thank you for joining us on this Friday night. I'm Anthony Ponce. And I'm Natalie Bomke. Schools, casinos, museums, and churches all close as officials announce 14 new cases of the coronavirus. It brings the state total to 46. Most of the cases are here in Cook County, including a Northwestern University employee. The school says the employee worked in the Kellogg School of Management's Global Hub on the Evanston campus. We have also learned about a BMO Harris Bank employee who worked in the company's Chicago Loop offices. As the numbers continue to rise, Governor Pritzker has decided to close all schools starting on Tuesday. This includes every public and private school in the state. And tonight there are reports that Cook County courts could be closed for up to a month. Northwestern hosted a grand total of zero professional monetary events at the arena. While the university attempted to extend the pilot program for an additional year, the city council shot it down. Northwestern's violated the zoning law preventing them from hosting professional events at their athletic facilities multiple times before by hosting various concerts and some select professional sports matches. But in terms of legal for-profit events, Northwestern's going into this endeavor blind. Not everyone's against concerts. Like everything else, the topic's highly contested. Northwestern Director of Institutional Research, Surveys, and Data Analysis, Paul Schatz, who wasn't involved with any development for the stadium, is someone who's for them. I like going to concerts, so if there's someone I want to see, it's easier to, you know, ride my bike down Central Street and Bryan Field than to, to drive to, you know, wherever. I guess my, my general opinion is, you know, we having having people you know, come to Evanston, whether they live in Evanston or whether they're coming from outside of Evanston, having people come together is is a good thing. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of businesses that are crowded when there's basketball games. Um, so this is more events and that uh, feels like a good thing. Northwestern views these for-profit events as essential to breaking even on the Rebuild Ryan Field project. Blackburn explains it further. So there's other avenues of revenue. So we are going to, as you could have a different events, we're going to have graduation ceremonies held there. We're going to have, people can potentially have rent weddings out. or have private parties. There's going to be outside revenue, outside of just concerts. But Northwestern football has survived for over a century without for-profit events. The first known Northwestern football game was in 1876, at what was then known as Campus Meadow. Now, it's known as Deering Meadow, the two acres of green space between Sheridan Road and Deering Library. There weren't any permanent bleachers, and it could hardly be considered a stadium. The sport itself was very different from what it is now, but what remained the same was Northwestern's on-the-field struggles. They lost that first game against the Chicago Football Club by three scores. Northwestern needed a permanent facility, so they moved to where the fraternity quads now are and built a grandstand. Baseball manager George Muir oversaw the construction, and the field was initially planned to be named Muir Field because of it. Eventually, they decided on the name Shepherd Field. 600 fans saw the first game in the new stadium on November 22, 1890. The total capacity was initially 750 people, but it was later expanded to 1,000. The team quickly outgrew Shepherd Field, too. The next stadium was planned by Willie Mae Dyke and was moved to the current Central Street location. The field was dubbed Northwestern Stadium 
and the wooden stands held 13,000 fans. Later, more bleachers were added on the stadium's east side, and the capacity was increased to 20,000. By 1925, the stadium had become decrepit. The wooden stands weren't built to last, and Northwestern desperately needed an upgrade. Football was popular in Evanston, so Dyke returned to help construct a steel replacement for the wooden structure. The plans were ambitious. It was intended to be the first ever triple-decked stadium, and was supposed to seat 80,000 fans. The stadium was compared to Soldier Field, and could have been the future home of the Bears had things gone differently. But budget constraints limited the end product to less than Dyke had planned. He had organized fundraising for the stadium and contributed a sizable sum himself, but the stadium opened in 1926 without a third deck. It had a capacity of 49,000 and was named Dyke Stadium. That name lasted about 70 years before it was renovated again in 1996. Its new name was Rhinefield, after the man who donated an enormous sum of money to make the renovation possible. Patrick Ryan was practically giving out gold to Northwestern then. In a statement in 1996, an Evanston Review article quoted Ryan about the renovation as saying, It's important that the community at large and alums everywhere understand we are willing to make the same kind of commitment to excellence and athletics as we do to academics. This, Dyke Stadium, has been a user-friendly stadium. To attract fans, you can't just have a quality team on the field, but you have to have a quality field as well. Ryan wanted the field to match the team, since, for a fleeting moment, the people of Evanston came together to back the Wildcats for a once-in-a-generation season. That's next time on The Field of Broken Dreams. The Field of Broken Dreams is a podcast from the Evanstonian the student newspaper at Evanston Township High School. It's advised by John Phillips, the executive editors Jillian Denlow, Claire Gustafson, and Sophia Sherman. The Field of Broken Dreams is reported and produced by me, Mac Jones, with help from Isaac Swarzflint. Our theme music is by Sam Purcell. The final mix of this episode was done by me. We have nine more episodes coming. You'll be able to find them all on our website, evanstonian.net, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find more stories about Northwestern and other events pertaining to Evanston there too. Again, it's evanstonian.net. Special thanks to everyone interviewed, ABC7, Northwestern University, and Fox 32.